get ready for the Girls on Games podcast. Your weekly dose of news, reviews, and everything video games. Always served with a good helping of hype and just a pinch of salt. And now, your host, Leah. the Girls on Games podcast. My name is Leah and I'm the host of this show. This is episode number 351 and today we're going to be talking about Activision Blizzard again. We're going to be talking about Kotick again, unfortunately. That is what it is. But hey, guess what? Square Enix is deciding to sell some of its Western studios or all of them. I think it might be all of them. So we're going to chat about that and we're starting to figure out what our summer plans are because Summer Game Fest has locked down their stream date. But before I get into that, let's introduce you to the friendly voices around this digital table. Catherine, how you doing? I'm good yourself. Good. I should have said friendly voice besides myself (laughs) because it's just the two of us today. Yes, Simon's off on a spa weekend. Lucky duck. Mm-hmm. Catherine, why didn't we go on a spa weekend? I don't know. Like, uh, and ironically, why were we invited? Ironically, <laughs> I took this week off as vacation, and I'm yeah. not doing a spa getaway. Like, the hell's wrong with me? I don't know, girl. You should have hooked that up. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be doing that in a, in a few weeks because I'm coming to Montreal. Yay! We get to see each other. I'm excited. For the first time in like three years. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, coming coming to town for my sister's bachelorette. And we won't be up to too much debauchery, but uh, you're going to join us for one of the evenings of good food and good drink and good company. Yep. Yep. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And uh, like everybody else, we've been shopping and stuff, trying to. Finally, finally, we have a reason to leave our houses and we need clothes to do that. So, uh, yeah, we've been interesting times over the past little while. Um, mm-hmm. Let me get into some intro stuff, uh, housekeeping, you know, all that jazz. And then we can check in further. I want to remind you that if you enjoy this show, you can subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Podbean. If you'd like to get some GOG merch, you can do that by going to designbyhumans.com slash shop slash girls on games. Or if you'd like to give us a tip, maybe buy us a coffee. You could do that by going to our Kofi. That's ko-fi.com slash girls on games. Thanks very much to Stainsby for uh, dropping us a Kofi there the other day. Much appreciated, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, it helps. It helps. It helps pay the podcasting bills. <laughs> I'm going to spend it on, on website hosting. There you go. Awesome. All right, Kat, what have you been up to this week? Well, like I said, I took the week off Yeah. Um, because I have a ridiculously amount of banked uh, vacation days, mm. uh, just like because of pandemic and mm-hmm. things like that. And also, like, I used to have to hoard uh, vacation days towards the end of the year because uh, when I was at Ubisoft Canada, I didn't get unlimited sick days. Oh. Uh, I had a bank of like personal days and whatever. So we always ended the year with like, I always ended the year with like two or three vacation days just in case I get sick. Mm-hmm. You know? Like if I had gone through all my personal days. Um, and those carry over. Uh, and then the pandemic happened and then I switched <laughs> to the studio and then HR was like, you need to stop hoarding your days. Like you can just, if you're sick, you can just take it. It's different HR structures, different policies. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they announced that they were giving us five weeks vacation. 
six if we count the shutdown at Christmas. And they were like, retroactively. <laughs> so my my so amount of vacation. all this extra vacation from before, too? I, I Yeah, HR just sent me an email and they were like, we're going to have to give you money for a couple of days. And I was like, I, I know, I know. Give um, me the cash. <laughs> so um, this is nothing against my employer. This is my millennial self needing to learn to take fucking time off and yeah. to use my PTO. Um, so that's what I'm doing this nice. week. Uh, so I took a week off. I have a few straggler days for some long weekends here and there. And then I got my two weeks book for my July vacation. And I'm just going to keep taking more. And then this year again, I'm going to fuck off for three weeks at Christmas. Uh, like I did last this summer, uh, last winter, and it was great. So nice. reminder to take your paid time off. Just yeah. If it's available, just take it, please. Yeah, um, do it. Do it. it. It's good for the soul. Honestly, like if you're if you're like us, like Lee and I, we don't we have the like we're not doctors. Like we can take, we can take time off. We're borderline workaholics. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am working on that. I'm also on a healthy prod with a healthy team that are just like, when I booked my vacation and I, I told my manager, like, I'm going to take a week for like, and she's new, like she mm -hmm. recently joined the team. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just going to take a week because I need it and because I need to like go through these days. And she's like, it's a bit embarrassing the amount of days you have in right now, Catherine. <laughs> and I was like, I, 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 I know. Um, so I went shopping on the first day of my nice and for in stores for the first time. Um, and I did it. I took the metro downtown and then I mall hopped downtown with the underground tunnels. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm just going to say it. I spent a whole four hours without taking off my mask and it was uh, fine. Stop complaining. Honestly, <laughs> fuck. it was OK. It was OK. I didn't even take it off to try on the clothes. Honestly, it was okay. You know um, what? For me, it's actually better, I find, because I often, well, obviously when I'm wearing the mask, I don't, you don't necessarily need lipstick, but I often wear bright lipstick and I find, I always feel bad if I get like makeup on the clothes and trying it on. I find it's a lot easier to not get makeup on the clothes when you're trying it on because you've got a mask covering it up. Exactly. Well, I'm not wearing makeup because I'm wearing a mask anyway. Uh, but yeah, I bought a bunch of stuff that is basically stuff that is non-casual wear. Uh, nice. I got dress pants and some nice dress shorts, just stuff that fits my new body because I go to the gym now. Because you rip, uh, you swole, you fit like a fit. It's buff girl summer! Buff girl summer! <laughs> uh, yeah, just because I got like, I, yeah, I got events. I, I'm joining you guys for a fancy dinner, but like, yeah. I, it's like a... I can't just show up in uh, sweatpants to everything, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I mean, we love fashion. <laughs> I mean, I can wear sweatpants to work and I can wear sweatpants to work events. But like outside of that, like in the non-game dev world, you can't show up in sweatpants <laughs> oh, to everything. It's, apparently. So, it's so weird, though, because like I've there's a few things that like since going back to work and like I'm, I'm trying to set some decent habits like mm -hmm. bringing a lunch every day because like that shit's expensive and also yeah. not super good for you since I'm trying to not get swole but trim down considering I'm in a wedding in August um but uh but yeah that and also like to give myself less anxiety in the morning have my outfit picked out but then I realized I don't remember how to dress to go to work anymore. <laughs> like, what 
do I wear? And I work in media. I can wear jeans and a t-shirt. That's not a problem. But mm-hmm. it's like, huh, should I like dress like a boss? Or could I wear jeans and a t-shirt? I'm going to wear like trendy jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> and that's what I do. But yeah, it's it's true. Like going through and trying to find stuff. Uh, we were looking for outfits to wear for the, my sister's bachelorette. We were out shopping on Saturday. And um, Elise and I were having a lot of fun because I tried on some outfits that were questionable. And then I tried on some that were just silly. I saw it from across the room going up the escalator in Nordstrom and saw this iridescent dress and said, ooh, 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 I'm trying that on. And it turned out to be what would have been my 80s prom dress. Honestly, <laughs> sh- you sent the photo and it, I, we, Allie and I were, were down. Like We were convinced. We we're like, please buy this dress. <laughs> It was uh, it was uh, boobalicious and uh, form fitting and uh, lots of fun. Straight out of the big shoulder pads. Everything that I'm going for right now has a lot of like volume in the shoulders. Yeah. it's very trendy right now. I didn't look too much at the formal stuff. I did a bit, but I didn't yeah. find anything that caught my fancy. I did try one dress. I sent you guys the photo. Yeah. Um, it was the fabric was horrible. It was scratchy, and it was like at Winners, and it was like in their designer section. Oh, like that's it too was. Bad. A- it was a pretty like bo- I forget the brand, but it was pretty bougie. Yeah. But it was like polyester, the worst kind, and scratchy. But I uh. looked, it looked good on me. It, it looked like one of those like cottage core witchy dresses. Yeah, like, I was like, when are you starting your cottage core Animal Crossing island? <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is this, and like the color looked great and the fit looked great, and I was like, but I couldn't wait to get this shit off of me. Yeah. It was so scratchy, and I was like, seriously, and the label was like, because they. A lot of it is unsold uh, stock from other stores because Winners mm-hmm. is like a the equivalent of a TJ Maxx in the U.S. Basically. They're all the same thing. Aren't they owned by the same people? TJ Maxx, Winners, and Marshalls? Are they all the same yeah, people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Marshalls, TJ Maxx bought Winners, but Winners is like a Canadian brand. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was like this bougie brand and they had the original tag with the uh, the suggested retail price. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was like something like... $150 and it had been like discounted to like 80 but then it never got sold and like winners was selling it for like 50 and I was like even for $50 like this yeah. feels like a $20 H&M dress and even the $20 H&M dresses aren't this scratchy mm. like I have a few $20 H&M dresses and they're still going and they're very comfy I was just like what the fuck is this like should I be wearing something underneath it like mm. is uh, anyway my my problem's often not the uh the the fabric type it's often the fact that nothing that's uh at a you know lower reasonable price will fit my figure i have to go and look for stuff that's cut a certain way because i'm just too damn curvy it's, it is what not, it is man <sighs> it's a thin pretty privilege uh, i <laughs> I see it because I used to be like built like a stick figure. Mm. And now that I'm like, my body's changed and like I got muscle and whatnot. Like even then, like it's funny how quickly I shot up in sizes. Oh yeah. Without changing all that much. Yeah. And how less, like I already have less choice. Like I went from a two to a four, Mm -hmm. two, four ish, like a Mm -hmm. extra small, small, and I shot up into medium large. Like now, like my jeans are like six, eights, tens, maybe. Mm-hmm. And already there, like I'm already seeing like less choice or less cuts or less colors or 
just I'm guessing they're stocking that size less. They're I don't picked know. over because you know there's more of us on the more curvier side than bigger side than there are on the tinier side, right? So exactly, or just finding pants that aren't like that have enough room in the yeah. thighs and then the hips, and I'm yeah. just like, and I'm not that curvy like i'm not hourglass shape i just got a bit of cake and i got some yams because i squat <laughs> cake and yams i love it <laughs> oh my god go cat there was one thing like of course there's always something geek chic show mm-hmm. the one thing that i've been like borderline avoiding because i know if i go in and try it on i'm gonna buy it is lacoste has a uh, partnership with minecraft right now and they have a crop top that i love it's white long sleeve crop top but then it has like i think it's like a creeper pattern around the band and i'm just like oh i want it i might have to buy it oh that collection looks good it's a really nice collection also i don't know if this is just something that i'm noticing because now when we were kids all of this was nerdy and now it's cool and fashionable i was in a high-end store i can't tell you the name of the the designer now but when i was out with elise and they had an entire collection with sailor moon stuff they had a jean jacket and jean short combo that had like white i guess you could say bleached into it like almost like you know how the louis vuitton repeated pattern it wasn't louis vuitton it was sailor moon with the moon you know how she does her pose with the moon over and Mm -hmm. over again it was unbelievable and i was like this isn't fair because like (laughs) we millennials are now like you know in our late 30s early 40s yeah and i guess like now we have the money to spend on this shit so like the luxury brands are like millennials are killing the luxury brands or whatever article boom was right about us killing industries and i guess the luxury brands were just like let's just put the shit they used to watch as kids on it and it works like i'm seeing so many like so many makeup collection Mm -hmm. or mainstream brand or whatever like they're always like star wars this like the original star wars trilogy uh it's like star wars sailor moon dragon ball avatar the last airbender like yeah it's everywhere everywhere like they're just grabbing nerdy shit or video games and just like let's go and i'm i'm here for it but i'm like it's clearly like i i I see it now like we're just (laughs) Yeah. We're just their, we're their target market now. Totally. I should go buy that freaking shirt. It also wasn't that cheap. But then again, that's what, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know why I have this feeling like it's a geek chic thing, so it should be cheaper, but it's not. It's Lacoste. So like, it's going to be a, you know, shirt for over a hundred bucks. I think it's 120 bucks or something like that. I mean, that's not a crazy, it just seems like a lot on a t-shirt, on a shirt, but it's really cute. It's a lot for a shirt. But I like how they did the Lacoste alligator in like Minecraft style. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, like finals. Oh, and they got a video of like in-game people wearing the Lacoste shit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's really well done. But I mean, for um, how much I enjoy Minecraft, uh, spoiler alert, that's all I've been playing this week. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, in my affinity for Xbox lately, I'm like, I should probably get that. And oh, I mean, they're... considering, you know, the I mean, end up going to that like... fan fest thing, so. The hoodies, the hoodies are, are like... not, no, the hoodies, and I think they're more men's cut, that kind of stuff, like, they seem like normal gamer wear. But this particular shirt 
is like is a hundred and twenty five dollars is fashion. It's a hundred twenty five. I mean, I saw some Lacoste shit for like twenty dollars a pop at Winners. Okay, yeah, twenty to twenty to forty dollars a pop at Winners. But the likelihood that they'd have my size or anything like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like I, I, I noticed that the racks I used to shop at Winners were very full. Like. I would just grab like the section for small mm-hmm. and it keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. And I actually went into a section. It was just like half the rack was small. A small sliver was medium. And then it started into large right away. And I was like, Oh, that's my life now. Yeah. I, mean, I just, feel your pain. They don't Rip my finding clothing them. easily. <laughs> yeah. The pretty thin privilege. I lost All- a thin, the thin privilege. I lost you did it. lose it. And, and to all the people out there, Size means nothing. Do yeah. not put on what fits you when you feel good in because good Lord, nothing is the same size nor fits the same, even in the same store. So just find what you like, put it on. If you're comfortable in it, who gives a fuck what the size is? I mean, we were talking before recording about how like last summer I just got like mass bought cheap shorts at H&M because I didn't know if my body was going to keep changing and whatever. Yeah. And I bought three pairs in the same size and they once one was like borderline too small one was okay and one was too big same sizing and like i looked at their sizing chart and then the measurement and i was mm-hmm. like my waist measures this much mm-hmm. therefore i will buy tens yeah also nothing my, fits the my same. the best thing now is like with tiktok and like all, all these mid-size girls and stuff and they're trying things on and showing like how it fits different different body types it's exactly more clothes has sold me like i've made purchases because of tiktok than anything else lately you you need to see clothes on real bodies yeah honestly that's mannequin like i've noticed like a lot of sites do this and like we've been going off but like whatever fashion self-love um I've noticed that a lot of sites like American Eagle or Gap or whatever, when you go into their jeans section, mm-hmm. they'll have like up top, like a carousel showing you every uh, fit of jeans they have. And then you can cycle through like four body types and they'll have like petite, a yeah. tall and thin, a curvy, like a tall curvy, and a, uh, you know, and you get to really see like if you're like, you know, like a tall, like I used to be tall and skinny, but now I'm like... I guess normal and buff. So like, but there's always like they'll normal give you four and to five buff. I <laughs> like that. <laughs> but you get to see what it fits like on different body types. Like, yeah. or I love that they put like on the ecom saying like you know the uh, the model is five nine and wears a size small. So then you get to see a better idea of the proportion of this mm-hmm. person is more on the taller side for you know North American standards. Um, I know in Europe that's tiny as fuck. <laughs> Looking at you, um, uh, like Yugoslav, ex-U- all the other countries in ex Yugoslavia where yeah. like all the women are five ten. My but God, anyway. yeah, my good friends is is really tall like that. She's got Serbian blood, so yeah, no, yeah. everybody Eastern European ladies are tall. I wish I had your long legs. I don't, but <laughs> not here, not here. So. At least when you see like five nine and small, and we're like, this is a tall, lanky bitch, or they're like five four and wearing a six, and I'm like, oh, like okay, look a bit shorter, a bit more built, like this mm-hmm. is more like in my like I'm five six ish, mm-hmm. so I'm like this is more my thing, um, yeah. But anyway, uh, keep hiring models that look like regular people, please. Yes, honestly, 
Yes, and large size ranges. I know. Because Adidas the picked more, that up not too long ago. The mm. more I do fitness, the more I realize that the people that are really ripped and really cut are starving themselves. Yeah. Because honestly, like, I was looking at my body and I'm like, I don't see the muscles as much. And Pascal was like, you would need to lose, lose like 10 pounds to just like start really see the definition and it's mm -hmm. like when you're when you're female presenting um and like there's a lot more like i guess the tissues are more fatty tissues and areas and things like that and it's like you have to lose like 10 15 pounds of fat to see your muscles mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm already a thin bitch <laughs> so it's like that's when you realize like there's a there's a saying they say is abs are made in the kitchen it's true so that means like you have to like eat less yeah, and and, and eat things that are super de duper um mm -hmm. not super tasty <laughs> and no, super lean he, and super all that kind of stuff i'm sure you can get stuff whatever but like i don't have that kind of effort I, I like to eat way too much for that. But, like, I was looking at the diets of people, like, before they go to bodybuilding things or whatever, or just, like... Oh, yeah. Or or just people, like you said, people on TikTok. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a lot of, like, fitness people on TikTok that are, like, here's how I was when I wanted to be cut. And they're, like, now I'm, like, 10, 15 pounds heavier and I got the fat and you can't see my abs anymore. But whatever. Now I have energy and I don't want to kill myself. Uh, because, like, before, like, to have... You know, you have to limit yourself or it's like so limiting and it's, mm. it's crazy. I th I think now the more I do fitness, the more I realize like the fashion industry is really lying to us beyond Photoshop. Well, I mean, you see it all the time with people. It's all about posing and the cut of something and sucking in and like the beginning of the day you might look fit and trim and everything by the end of the day because you've eaten and you're tired and your body's been compressed by gravity and stuff and you just don't look the same because life <laughs> exactly and it's like uh, just makeup i love makeup makeup, makeup on bodies mm -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah totally totally uh, and flexing yeah when you see these uh you know these scenes where the guy takes off his shirt and he's all sexy he is starved dehydrated flexing every muscle muscle in his body and his body was makeup yep so true so true so anyway we, we went shopping and now we're bad at the fashion industry is and now between, yeah i know what we you were excited know. about it and now we're jaded and <laughs> not jaded um cat i picked up a book oh yeah um so i forgot that this was coming out and then the day that it came out everybody was talking about it and i went and got it right away um because obviously you guys know I'm a nerd about learning about the video game industry and the background behind it and all the history mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So I picked up uh, Reggie fils uh book, Disrupting the Game from the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo. I'm listening to it on Audible and I am on chapter five and it is not what I expected and I love it for it. Really? Yeah. So Reggie kind of like sets the stage in the preface of the book in that He's telling, he, he mentions he's telling stories of his history and everything, but at the end he goes, and what, why is that important? You know, what, what do you take from this story that I'm telling you where it's almost like life lessons and, and lessons for, for being a leader and your job and all this kind of stuff. I'm chapter five in, 
the first chapter was about um, Iwata. Mm-hmm. And then he got into more of like his history and like stuff about him and his family and his grandparents and stuff coming over from Haiti and all that kind of stuff. And then getting into um, some of his jobs because he used to work at Procter Gamble. Procter Gamble? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And uh, and all that kind of stuff. And just interesting about his learnings on certain projects that he worked on. And then he'll talk about it and explain it and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, and th- and, and what does that mean? And then he'll break it down with like, this is, these are my values that I learned from this experience and all this kind of stuff. And like, I am, I'm enthralled. So yeah, like I said, chapter five, um, I've got six hours and 40 minutes left because it's, because uh, listening on Audible. And uh, yeah, I love it because it's also him narrating it. So it just I feels was gonna ask. more personal. Yeah, it's him narrating ask. it. So it's great in that sense. And uh, I just really, I've always liked him. I always felt like he had an aura of confidence, but and 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 knowledge, but a genuine excitement about the industry. Mm-hmm. Even though he'd been in it for so long, he always felt like someone who was approachable. Often, people at that level, you you they just look like you're, or, or they give off this vibe that they're they are a CEO and they don't do this, and you can't talk to them and all that. Reggie never had that vibe to him. I always felt like if I got the chance to sit down and have coffee with him, it'd be a good time because he'd have. Like he'd be a normal human and talk to you like a, and like a normal human. And, uh, and that's the vibe that I'm getting from this. So, um, so far so good. I'll probably have it done next week. Um, in, cause obviously I only got six hours left. I had some data entry stuff that I was doing today and listening to it and, uh, yeah, really enjoying it. I think anybody else who's like me and enjoys like all these kind of behind the scenes, but this about video games, I think they'll, they'll really enjoy this. But if you're also just curious to know, how someone at that level of business with that kind of pressure kind of takes a look at the projects that they've worked on and see what they can learn from it, bad or good. It's pretty, imp- it's pretty impressive and pretty good knowledge to, to have, I gotta say. So I recommend it from that standpoint, like even if you're not into Nintendo or anything, just business in general, I think it has some really interesting learnings. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it with my, uh, with my, future brother-in-law soon to be brother-in-law because yeah he's uh he's earned about this kind of stuff too and i think he'd get a lot lot from it so uh yeah so it sounds like people from outside the industry would really just enjoy these like basically uh it's a course on leadership yeah it seems that way and i mean mind you i'm, I'm sure we'll get more into the nerdiness of the of the video game side and like that first chapter being about Iwata and and you know going through his illness and his passing and things like that and what it you know kind of like how how it affected uh reggie and and kind of what he took out of it and his learnings and all that kind of stuff um obviously that is because we know who Iwata was because we know nintendo we kind of know that kind of like we we get a little extra out of it but for anybody who's just interested in business at that level in general and kind of like how to manage something like that i i i do think uh i do think it's a, a pretty good listen to read cool Cool. All right. Um, what are you playing video game wise, Kat? Um, I tried to get into Tunic, but I got frustrated with it. It's, it's too it, too salty. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's, hard. Hard. it's cute, it's but it's hard. hard. It's cute, but it's hard. And I was like, that's not what I need right now. And I had pre-installed Hitman Three because it's on Game Pass. Ooh. And I also got frustrated with it because I was like, you know what? Um, that's not what I need right now. 
Uh, so instead, I installed Lake, which also is on Game Pass, which is a small cozy game mm -hmm. where you are a... You're a postal worker? Yeah. So you're, I guess, they said, the character said they left for college 22 years ago. So you're probably like early 40s, I guess. So you're back to your hometown. Is that it? Exactly. So cool. it's a woman who left her small town called of called Providence Oak in Oregon, I okay. want to say, um, to go to MIT. And you're now a uh, computer software engineer. Okay. And then your dad decides to take, and he's a postal worker in Providence Oak, decides to take two weeks off to go to Florida with your mom. So you agreed to replace him for two weeks. Oh. This is a small town. So like, who's going to deliver the mail for two weeks? And you just drive around the truck. And it, the way the town is made is there. there's a, a lake. And mm -hmm. the town is all around the lake. So you okay. drive around the lake all day to deliver mail you deliver mail you deliver packages and when you do your deliveries you get to meet the townspeople some old faces some new faces and you get into the small town drama mm, small town drama so i've started playing i want to say this weekend uh, it's now thursday um and i'm already on wednesday of the second week so it's not that long of a game, but there's definitely choices and branching dialogues and stuff like that. And I went on a date and I kissed somebody and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize romance was an option. Smooching. Um, and I'm guessing that at the end of the game, it sounds like the way the game is going and the dialogue when you talk, because at night. Uh, you're at home and your phone rings. Yeah. Um, and it's a landline. So either you have like messages on an answering machine or you answer. Uh, but you do have some conversation with your parents while they're down there. You know, they call you, check in, um, things like that. So and like the way the conversations are going, I'm thinking the end of the game, you choose whether you go back to your big city life and you work and mm -hmm. uh, you crunch at your tech company to make software. Or uh, you like, fuck it. I'm going to stay here and live the quiet life and just deliver mail. Because it is set in 1986. Yeah, I was going to ask, because it sounds like if there's landline and stuff and they're deciding this. That, and also postal worker, you know, day, this day and age, probably like union and all that kind of stuff too, right? Like you wouldn't be able to just pick up somebody's job off them. But in the 80s, he probably could have. <laughs> I mean, it, it, like temporary, like a temp work, I think. Yeah, temp work, yeah. Yeah, and honestly... Like thinking that somebody like you, a single income household on one postal worker salary and they own a home and they can afford vacation in Florida. I'm like, it's got to be. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not, not, 20, in this day age. <laughs> not in this day and age with our inflation and cost of life and capitalism. Nope. Late stage capitalism ruined that. Um, so, yeah, it is a very fun, cozy game. Honestly, it's very relaxing. I know it's weird. I'm on vacation. I'm playing a job simulator, but I'm like, whatever. Like, my life has nothing like that. <laughs> um, and honestly, like, it's funny because 
My job is literally video game UI. And this game has so little UI. Like, so little. Like, all it has is, like, your mini-map in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And, like, the main menu. Mm. Um, there's the city map mm-hmm. that you open up, and then you get your little list of deliveries that you need to make, and mm-hmm. they'll show you the houses. And then you have an agenda, because, like, if you decide to have a date and things like that. And I think there's, like... When you open the back of your truck, there's like a menu to select which package to take out of the truck so that you can get it to the house. Like it's so minimal UI. Like there's so little of it. And I'm just like, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Games should have less UI. Oh my God. Yeah. I can just see the game and drive my truck. Holy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's form and function, right? In the mm-hmm. sense that you know, for what you design and for a lot of games, you need to have a lot of menus because a lot of the game side of it and a lot of the, the customization and the tweaking, the personalization of it is what the you need the UI for. But in a game system yeah, are the bane of every UI artist and UI sure. designer. I'm sure. And that's probably why when you're making a game like that, it's just so darn easy. Like think about even we played unpacking. There was no mm-hmm. UI in that. You know, it's not really pretty darn basic, right? Very little, very little. Uh, when you're in the HUD, anyway, the mm-hmm. HUD was basically empty, just some prompts. And it's like, I'm like, accessibility options are like so much easier the less shit you have on screen. <laughs> it's true. So, like, I, I didn't check a lot of the accessibility option in, in Lake. I know I activated subtitles. Um, I think you can remove some motion blur, and I think you can. Uh, there's some colorblind stuff maybe I, I forget if there was a size of the actual ui i think there's size of the subtitles but i don't know because some of the prompts are a bit small and i mm. figured i'd go back and change them but yeah i'm just like for such a like if your game is a streamlined experience so should your ui and i think lake is a very representative and also unpacking very representative of that like you know it's just like drive your truck and deliver your mail. Why would there be anything else on your hub beside the mini map that gives you the exact and the address of where you are? Everything uh, else, get the fuck out. Get like go. Don't don't need you. Don't need no thing on top. It's like, ugh. yeah. There's a balance too because I find that most my my apprehension with starting a lot a lot of new games is not being comfortable with the UI and the and the controls. And that throws me off. I spend more time sitting there trying to understand the controls and the UI than I do anything else. And once I'm in that, there's a comfort level in the fact mm-hmm. that I know where everything is. I understand how everything works together. I know how to best out time. But sitting, especially ones where there's like a lot, like uh, Horizon Forbidden West, when I went in, you know, and the kind of the way that they treated the tutorials, I kind of felt like they f- they made it like y- they anticipated you played the other game before and you kind of were kind of hitting mm-hmm. the ground running. But a lot of the other stuff was like deep in the menus to really learn it and to go back and review it. And there was a lot of like having to go deep, deep, deep and spending a lot of time reading things and looking at things and doing stuff and less time actually playing the game. 
in some senses. And that's Mm -hmm. not everybody. That was just me trying to like remember what I needed to do or whatever. And also I hate seeing the little icon saying that I haven't read something yet. Every time you find a new, you get a new tip or a new weapon or a new item or you beat a different robot dinosaur Mass or effect. whatever oh my god it's just like because i i hate those little alerts i hate them i try to clean them out but i felt like i was constantly going in there and cleaning them out um but yeah but sometimes you really need the deep ui you do right and then there's I other mean, times when like the ui the ui is good and bad at the same time like you understand why they made certain decisions but then you're like oh but, but it's annoying. Like the, the Animal Crossing. Why couldn't you just freaking craft more than one thing at once? Like I saw someone do, there was a Twitter thread where someone had redone the whole crafting system in, in Animal Crossing to make it better. And I was like, see, that's what it should have been like. But like as a game dev, if I may put my game dev hat. Okay, um, hat, hat. This is the sometime, expert. That <laughs> we have the experts. <laughs> that sounds like, honestly, that decision does not sound like a UI problem. It sounds like a design and programming problem where they were like, you know, we're just going to, we're the system is built in a way that you can just craft this one thing at once. The why, I could think about like 10 reasons why mm. that is a technical requirement of like some compromise that was made. And then UI was just like, craft one item at once. All right. So they probably scrapped yeah other like stuff to be just like at one point like when they tested and bugged report whatever they were just like we're just gonna do it one at a time mvp what's most important get it out the door yeah it's easy to redesign screen when you don't have your engine programmer and your ui programmer and your gameplay programmer being like you can't no we're not if we do this we're delaying the game by a year <laughs> and like everybody's like what item at a time it is yeah i know that sucks but uh i get it i i i, I like i'm speculating here but like no I, like, but i, I mean, gotta there's, there's all legitimate things if it, if it is like do you take more time and fix it and have these many more extra hours work or, or just ship it the way it is does it work technically yeah. yes is it annoying yes yeah. but also, too bad is the way it's gonna be <laughs> it might also been like in their ux studies be like because we're aiming so young then you got to do it one at a time you got to reduce the mental loads that are like reduce the mental ro- okay crafting system is one item at a, at a time mm could be so many things yeah Um, i'm sure but it's like you know how we used to say fix it in post the game dev equivalent of that is fix we'll fix it in ui (laughs) yeah that doesn't always happen that doesn't always happen yeah and that's how you end up with (laughs) (laughs) pop-ups some pop-ups are okay um yeah uh i'm not playing anything new because like i mentioned off the top i'm back in my minecraft bullshit because i have a feeling there's an update coming soon the wild update is around the corner all my youtubers that i watch waddles and pixel riffs and and all the guys from hermitcraft that do like the the what do they call them previews no they have some sort of special name there's betas and then mm-hmm. there's previews. There's like they have like all these different like instances of when they throw out builds for people to play with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's just been a lot of stuff from the wild update that we heard about uh, last October in the uh, in uh, when they did Minecraft Live. Is that what they called it? 
or was it Minecraft? Oh, I don't think it was called Minecraft Earth. It's probably called Minecraft Live. They changed the name a lot. So, uh, so yeah. And this one's supposed to have the deep dark, the biome that's like super creepy with the warden who's supposed to be like the new bad guy. So, uh, so yeah, pretty interested in that. And, uh, but yeah, you know, just playing on my own, playing on my Xbox, you know, mining for diamonds, trying to farm all the cows and then slaughter them to make books so I can enchant my gear. You know, the usual kind of nonsense that I do in my Minecraft days. But um, I saw on Steam and then went and checked for the other platforms too. It looks like Witchwood is on sale. So I think I might go pick that up. Um, the question is, is do I want to play an Xbox or Switch? That was the one that Naomi was telling us about that mm-hmm, she got mm-hmm. real obsessed with, right? So uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, that one, that one I've had my eyeball on for a while. I might go pick that up. Oh yeah, I've I've been thinking about getting that one, but um, I already bought and downloaded my next game. Ooh, what'd you get? I'm finally gonna play Disco Elysium. <gasps> wow! Yeah. Everybody ranted and raved about that one. Yeah, honestly, people say it's the best RPG out there, and like I was stuck in Mass Effect, played like through the Legendary Edition. Needed a palate cleanser, so Tunic was not it. Lake is really good for that because it's cozy. But then I was like, I need to get to it. And I, I went back on, I got it on my brain because um, Elise, a colleague, an ex-colleague of mine recently left For Honor and Ubisoft and um, to pursue her PhD. But also she just got hired by the studio that made Disco Elysium. And I saw the update and I was like, good for her. Oh, shit. I should play this. Fuck. <laughs> I remember that game being announced and everybody loving it. I guess like, I have time. <laughs> this needs to be like up top my next to playlist. So probably next week I'll be like, I'm done. Like, and I decided to either stay or go back to the city. And now I am fucked up because I am knees deep in Disco Elysium. And apparently that game is something else. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, and there's definitely a lot coming down the pipeline because uh, we're going to talk about that now in a few minutes because uh, we kind of have an idea of how the summer's shaping up when it comes to some of the events and stuff. So we're going to get into that right after this break. All right, and we're back, and it's time for news of the week. Catherine, let's get through the not-so-fun stuff before we get to the fun stuff, all right? Yeah, so uh, Activision... Blizzard is urging its shareholders to vote against another harassment report, uh, stating that the company it, that the company would rather de- dedicate the time and resources towards addressing the employee cons- concerns instead of creating another report. Um, however, uh, you need to report on the stuff so you can fix it. Um, but the state of New York put forward the proposal for a potential report, uh, which Activision Blizzard will make it difficult for the company to retain and recruit employees, giving public walkouts and on-demand change for by its employees. So basically, Activision doesn't want to report on stuff because they want to bring it to light that it's not better. And now they're like, we can't recruit because you keep giving us bad press. And I'm like... Why do you keep getting bad press, bro? Hmm. Maybe you did that to yourself. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah. Activision Blizzard board stated the process, the proposed report itself, even if completed after significant time and expense, would create a set of metrics that are simply not the best measure of how the company is responding to employee concerns. The board is committed to measuring the speed and effectiveness of our changes accurately, not based on metrics that are not precisely tailored to our company's situation. 
Um, and they said they're committed to transparency and tends to continue that approach in the future. Um, yeah. Also, it's also estimated that Activision Blizzard has negatively impacted 2,500 employees with a liability of around. Oh, that's a that's that, a zero. Nine hundred thirty million three hundred and twenty thousand USD. That's like a that's, billion dollars. That's almost a billion dollars in liabilities. Wow. So um, Xbox ready to take that on? <laughs> oh my god. Does that all have to be settled before this deal goes through? See, that's our next news story. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. It's like it's like I, I it's like I do segways or something. No, but this is this is nuts because like this is borderline bullshit because they just don't they don't want more dirt to get uncovered that's it yeah. they just don't want more dirt the problem is is they made the bed and now they're gonna have to lie in it yeah so the file according to the file the report itself would include the amount of aggregated dollars settled by activision blizzard in relation to sexual abuse harassment and discrimination over the last three years so like this is not just on the rep a report of what happened but it's also it wants to add basically how much they had to pay and how it's affected the business and everything. Well, and I guess they don't want that to bring that to light. How it's just like, you know, uh, exposed to the industry that, hey, your bad practices and your toxic culture is actually costing you more money. Didn't the... And it obviously is affecting their business because didn't they do an Overwatch 2 beta like not too long ago? And I heard like barely a peep about it. I, I heard about it, like, from people that were playing it, asking yeah. me if I had gotten it, or, like, in some of the Discord channel where people were like, hey, yeah. did you get in? You look, anybody want to queue up? Yeah. Um, and I had somebody, um, I'm in a specific uh, video game UI Discord, and somebody was just posting screenshots for, like, reference for, like, you, for us to discuss the UI and things like that. Um, and I was just, and my reaction was like, oh, the, the Overwatch 2 is at a point where it's playable? What the fuck? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think, and I think they're like trying to get the ball rolling and the hype going, but it's falling flat. Like, yeah, they did, um, they also announced a mobile game the other day that looks like, my, my colleague at work told me. It looks like World of Warcraft, uh, a skin on Ca Clash of Clans. And I was like, well. Honestly, yeah. um, you can tell that um, everything that happened at, at Activision Blizzard negatively impacted their games. Yeah. And it's been doing it for a while. Like, you know, like World of Warcraft has been a hot mess. They basically abandoned StarCraft. Overwatch just. They had something. They did not nurture it. Um, they're trying to fix it with Overwatch 2, but at this point, do people still care about Overwatch when you have Apex Legend and Valorant? That and are, other hero shooters, yeah, that are coming. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not confident about these products, and now they're just putting everybody on Call of Duty games. Cause it's the only one that like is a surefire money, but it's like if you're not gonna fix your culture and you're not gonna promise like maybe a few more projects that could be like 
risky, like fun creatively, but risky. Like use that Call of Duty money to make those risky projects to do like what Riot is doing right now, taking mm. a few chances on trying to expand their like League of Legend universe, like coasting off that League of Legend money to like make yeah. series like Arcane the series, which honestly was amazing. And I don't know, Valorant le- seems popular-ish enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, of they course found Apex their pl- Legends. Um, that's EA though. Oh yeah, that's EA, right? But like even Apex Legend, like they did not dethrone Fortnite because Apex no. Battle Royale. No, they just found their niche mm. and they're making their money and they're going with it. Mm. So um, I, I don't think Activision Blizzard, they need to do that. They need to like find these projects, make them good and then find find their audience. And find people that work at the company who are not toxic. Exactly. Because mm. honestly, I mean, it's there's that in the fact that the United States is a hot oh. dumpster garbage right now. Like honestly, like way to go, Bungie, for fucking standing their ground. I know everybody's like they're just doing it to me. No, they're doing it because they care about their people. The uh, stuff it, sucks that's going on down there right now. The idea of the, yeah. abolishing Rover's weight is just like what the fuck. I mean, announcing that you're working on a Star Wars games or a new Witcher game is a hiring tactic in itself. Announcing that they stand for human rights, like reproductive rights, is also a hiring ta- tactic. Like it's it's twofold. It is as marketing and it is like just humane because hum- they're out there being like if you have a uterus, we'll protect you as a company. Yes. And like that makes me like more secure as I could work for that company and not yeah. be traded like a second class citizen. Yeah. But right now, like if I were to get poked by like recruiters or HR people from United States uh, studios asking me to possibly work for them and move to the United States to work for them, my answer will be like, I will not compromise my personal safety and my personal rights for a job i will not leave canada to mm-hmm. lower my standards of life yeah because that's the state of the united states right now um yeah, i'm sorry ridiculous. we went on we went on a tangent but like no but it's like the biggest thing happening right now because a bunch of assholes think they have control over our bodies fuck you <laughs> fuck and when, no <laughs> and when you look at the statistics yeah like of the amount like of the like the racial statistics the demographic of people getting abortion because like to have access to abortion you need money and you need resources therefore it's mostly white women of course and you know what they want they just want more white babies like there's no they're not adding to child care they're not adding to health care the united states is one of the only industrialized country that doesn't have paid maternity leave it's obnoxious like compared to like europe everywhere else in north and southern america africa asia if you're like companies are advertising that they have paid mat leave six months to 12 months and i'm just like 12 month mat leave is the standard here yeah no it's and it's government paid funded yeah exactly it's Um, it's like you want to you don't you want to stop you want people to have their babies but like you have no child care plans 
no health care plans, no way to support these kids to get educated, uh, to get to to get lives and really be part of the your fucking late stage capitalism um, scheme there of getting education and getting a job and buying a house. Like they're just going to be like everybody's miserable. They're they hypocrites. Don't... It's hypocritical because on one hand, they're like, I don't want to take a shot to protect my friends and family and myself and the other people in this city and country and world, whatever, against this fucking coronavirus. And the other side, we're like, no, we don't want you to have any control over your own body if something happens and you need to terminate a pregnancy. That's fucking bullshit and hypocritical. And they want to they want to stop even like medical abortions. I know. They, they want. Yeah. And they want to like charge people like it's ridiculous it's honestly like this is just like i i find like these stories about these studios are just like really anchored in the culture that's going on in the united states right now and it's just Mm -hmm. like a hot garbage dumpster fire and um, it just makes me so sad but it also makes me very very worried for us because canada's right next to it and like this conservatism is already starting to seep in up there and it's like yeah now mind you a lot of and we're it doesn't mean anything's getting overturned here obviously because it's a different country no, but I and mean, like the it, but time, the, the idea is there you know like it's a seed of an idea so at the same time like in 2019 in saskatchewan they were they were sterilizing indigenous women. I know, and that's just fucking mind blowing. And they everybody is like up in arms about about babies. Like, how about all these kids that got fucking murdered in this school residential by shit? the church? Who cared about those kids? Exactly. It's so like, hypocritical. It's the ridiculous. Pope is coming here to apologize as he should for literally Fuck mass religion. murdering kids. <laughs> For hundreds of years in oh Canada, like we're these... gonna have to, we're gonna have to get off this cat because, like, I'm sorry, I, I am... know the two of us, like, we're like the war. <laughs> we're just riling, we're, we're, not... we're riling each other up, and and yeah, it's just, it's, ugh, I don't even know. And but you're right, you're right. The duality of what's happening, the video game business, and that kind of stuff, and the things that are coming up and being spoken of, and all this kind of thing, it has a lot of relationship with what is actually going on in the bigger ecosystem of what is happening in the United States right now, too. It's crazy. It's just a lot of people with a lot of money that are that are pushing their agenda. Yeah. Yeah, and along with the state of New York, or sorry, not the state of New York, the city of New York suing Activision itself and targeting yeah. its CEO, but, Bobby Kotick. So, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, our next news story. There we go. Let's go. New Let's York go. City sues Activision targeting CEO Bobby Kotick. Um, the suit was filed in Delaware uh, by the New York City Employees Retirement System and Pension Fund for the city's teacher, police, and firefighters. The group own Activision stock and believe action by the gaming giants management hurt the company's value. So because they are shareholders in the company, they're like, uh-uh, we're suing you for your choices. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the idea here is that, or the concept here that they're suing over is the fact that because... 
the damage has been done so well, Xbox or Microsoft was able to buy it at a lower fee and therefore, mm-hmm. or undervalued, or was able to underpay for what they felt was the value of the company. And for that, they lost yeah. out on Monday. And as shareholders, they are now suing Activision and targeting Bobby Kotick. Yeah. Because they're like, they're pretty sure that Bobby Kotick rushed to secure that bid to escape liability. Of oh, you know losses. they did. You know they did. Yeah. So uh, what they're asking, the New York City is demanding Activision to provide a long list of documents, including material related to Microsoft deal in info on five possible buyers cited in Activision's official description of the sales talks, board memos and more. Uh, The city's also pressing for internal documents since the fall originally to find out what what Bobby Kotick knew of sexual misconducts at the company. Um, And also New York sought to access Activision's books as a basis to sue Kotick and board members for allegedly costing the company value. Uh, it expresses frustration that Kotick already under fire headed up rapid negotiation late 2021 to sell the company to Microsoft. Yeah, because he knew that all this was coming out. Yeah, so what they're saying is given Kotick's personal responsibility and liability for Activision's broken workplace, it should have been clear to the board that he was unfit to negotiate a sale of the company. Hmm. So. I'm I'm curious about the they said the five was it five other companies who were in the running to potentially purchase? Apparently, yeah. So who could those be? I don't know, but it was I don't know, probably an Amazon, probably a, a Tencent, probably yeah. an Apple. It it li- it links an Epic? Yeah, it links to like a document on the in, in the investor site of activision mm-hmm. saying that this uh and it's like a report in legalese and whatever but that report apparently states that there were five potential buyers um but new york's like who are they yeah and that stuff is usually super under wraps but as soon as there's a legal mm-hmm. suit involved and that's when it kind of opens up i mean we remember that all the stuff we got to learn from the epic apple mm-hmm. uh lawsuit when all these company secrets came out. But I mean, there there are certain things that, yes, you have to keep behind closed doors because it's part of a company, but there's other stuff that's not. And because there's so much secretive in the video game industry and how it works and why I'm such a nerd about learning about the, the stories and the business mm-hmm. behind it, that's why this shit happens is because there's just too much secret. There's too much under the rug dealing and whatever and stuff. And it needs to be more above board. People need to understand what's going on so that the garbage doesn't happen. So yeah, so basically New York City is has shares in the company and they're using that to sue and to gain access to internal documents to get information on why they sold so fast, why they undercut, um, who were the other potential buyers and did re- Kotick really was unaware of the stuff that was going on at Division Blizzard? Of course he was. Of course he, he wasn't. Was. Um, so now they're just kind of like digging in and being like, Fuck you. Fuck Bobby Kotick. They're going for receipts. Good on them. Wait, they, more of this stuff is going to come out. It's bound to happen. It's... Ugh, I kind of feel bad for Microsoft to have... Like, they're just trying to get a deal out of it. They're just trying to do business, right? They're yeah, like, that- we need more IP. We need We need this stuff. And they're just trying to get, you know, to make their business better. And they saw a potential opportunity. Unfortunately, that opportunity comes with a whole lot of sludge. 
Yep. Yeah. I mean, we were hoping for Microsoft to do to clean house and things like that. I, the problem they can't do that until the sale goes through, and all this stuff is going to tie up the sale. Yeah, and then after the sale and the mergers, you usually have a certain amount of time before time before you start, you know, consolidating and getting rid of redundancies and things like that. And like, yeah, it's, it's not a done deal, but like, ugh. yeah. We've went through one of those and one of those purchases and kind of the process and how they take some time to look at everything and get a lay of the land and decide what they want to do because they can't they can't look at a lot of the paperwork until the deal's done. They're yeah, not allowed. Yeah. I remember for like for us for Astral Bell, like the first wave of people like leaving were actually in the C-suite. Yeah, because that's it took what gets, a while for yeah, it to, to, to trickle, trickle down and find mm. these redundancies or whatever because they didn't want to get rid of like, um, a when you f- when you cut a certain amount of job you need to like warn the government, but also like to find to make do sure you, you do that in the U.S. Is that a Canadian thing? I think that that's a Canadian. That's thing. That's probably a Canadian thing. Yeah. I think it might also be a Quebec thing to just be like, hey, just so you know, a lot of people are going to file for unemployment. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that could be a Quebec <laughs> thing, considering Bell started as a Quebec company, right? Or Astral yeah. definitely was a Quebec company. Yeah. Um, anyway, I remember they started with the C-suite, and then after that, they just didn't want to get rid of, like, have a, a, you know, a brain drain where all the knowledge is gone because you had like too many redundancies and you just cut the wrong people at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, and also they have like, they have to maintain a certain level of employment for two, two to three years. But I remember the first part they were like, but we don't need all these suits. And I think like government's like, yeah, get rid of the suits. But I think the suits knew that I think the C-suite, when they see these deals coming, they do it because yeah. they know they're getting a payout and they're out. They're negotiating their else. payout. They're just like, yeah, we're not going to need you anymore. So, cool. Just give me my two big sack, brown sacks with the dollar sign on it, <laughs> full of money, and I'll money. see you guys. I'll yeah. see you guys. I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. Speaking of selling off game studios, mm-hmm. um, this one kind of caught us off guard the other day when it announced. Yeah. Uh, so Square Enix is intending to sell Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal to the Embracer Group, along, and this is important, along with IPs for games like Deus Ex, Tomb Raider, Thief, and Legacy of Cain. Why? And to quote them, the transaction enabled the launch of a new business by moving forward with investment in fields including blockchain, AI, and the cloud. And they announced that just as the NFT market is just. Yeah, the NFT market is crashing like a hot potato. Um, this is interesting. I Conveniently, Square Enix is cutting all Western studios out after maybe yep. not the greatest time with The Last Tomb Raider and then definitely not the greatest time with Avengers. But, uh, but yeah. Uh... Guardians of the Galaxies did gangbusters. Yeah, that did that did all right. So I, yeah, I mean, one thing that I'm curious about is Square Enix Montreal, where you know we visited, with friends that work there, things like that. Like, what is it going to be called? Embracer Montreal now? A different uh, studio name? Maybe they'll just yeah, because like Embracer used to be THQ Nordic. Mm-hmm. Or did no? I think Embracer bought the name THQ Nordic. 
Okay. Or something like that. Yeah, the whole THQ thing is weird because that company shut down and then Embracer came and bought it along with some of their IP and then kind of got it back going again. But yeah, the Embracer is kind of like one of those companies that just owns like a shit ton of other companies. Oh, THQ Nordic still exists. Yeah. Yeah. They they, they brought it back. Yeah. They brought it back and there's a group of studios under that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm looking quickly through what the Embracer has. Um... The only ones I really, rem- I un- I recognize there's Coffee Stain Holding that has Coffee Stain Studios. They're the ones that made um, Goat Simulator. Yeah, Goat Simulator. I'm Where did someone sure. tell me about that yeah. the other day? Someone was mentioning something about Goat Simulator. They were like, "Do you know the game Goat Simulator?" And I chuckled. I was like, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> they, under the Embracer Group, there's Gearbox Entertainment. Gearbox is part of Embracer. Oh. oh. So Cryptid, Gearbox Publishing, Gearbox Software, Gearbox Studio Quebec, Gearbox Studio Montreal, Lost Boy Interactive, and Gearbox Publishing San Francisco. Uh, under Cock Media, there's Deep Silver, which we know for um, the Metro Exodus games, if I'm not They're mistaken. owned by Embracer Group too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then under Saber Interactive. I'm on the Wikipedia page, by the way. Uh, I don't recognize, but under THQ Nerd Nordic, what do I recognize? Not a lot. Probably I would recognize the games more than the studio names at this point. Um, but yeah, no, it's a big conglomerate. They have a lot of successful IPs and studios of all sizes. Um... A lot of them might be making mobile game, and I'm not into mobile games right now, just yeah. because I don't commute anymore. Yeah, I don't leave it, my house anymore. <laughs> this, this is basically it. This article um, that you pull from Taka- Kotaku does not mince words when it's talking shit about NFTs, though. Too. Yeah. <laughs> the paragraph starts: NFTs feel like the most extraordinarily precise emblem of the 2020s. It's all glaringly obvious pile of bullshit. Companies are literally selling a line of code on what they call blockchain to repackage the extremely old idea of digital asset ownership as the big next big investment uh you should get in on now while the going is good the going ain't good it's, it's downing guys i still can't get over how many freaking emails i got people about stories about blockchain and people want to and nfts and people want us to report stories and i'm just like no thank you very much <laughs> the nft market is down 92 percent from last september why are we not surprised the surprise pikachu face <laughs> we are we called that a while ago so yeah i mean that that's crazy um i think though that it might have more legs because i have a feeling like square enix they bought a lot of these companies over the years and stuff and like ados and things like that and i feel like it didn't really get the total love that it deserved um the first Tomb Raider game was flipping good, but locked to just Xbox. I think that was a bad deal, especially considered it was Xbox one at the time. They didn't have the the, the stuff out there. And uh, and yeah, it, Avengers just didn't work out the way they wanted it to. Um, Honestly, it's... I find that Crystal Dynamics, Eidos, and Square Enix Montreal dodged a fucking bullet there. I think they're going to mm. have a better time with the embracer group especially since they're keeping their ips mm-hmm. um and square enix never knew what to do 
with their Western studios. They Their Western properties, studios and properties in their Western game always fell short for some reason. Mm. I think Square Enix has a lot of great games, a lot of great IPs. Um, but sometimes it feels like if somebody... There might have been a, a culture clash between like Jap, the Japanese way of making games like JRPGs or their beat-em-ups or their adventure game versus what Eidos and Crystal Dynamics were trying to make with like very very western IPs like you know like yeah the the stuff the Final Fantasies and the and the Triangle Strategies and the Octopath Travelers and all that kind of stuff that they were doing was a very certain is a very certain flavor of game Mm -hmm. that I'm sure even in development and clash of, 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 in, you know, how, how that should be done. Just the development side of it was probably difficult to mitigate as well too. And mm-hmm. I know, is it crystal dynamics? There's one of the companies is going to help one of the Xbox companies to work on, um, a game in the near future too. Is it the perfect dark one? Probably. I think so. That yeah, sounds about right. Um, yeah, probably- and I remember now. I just I got the thing wrong about the X, the the Tomb Raider game. It was the second game that was Xbox first, which didn't make mm-hmm. a lot of sense since the first game that was on PS3. Because I remember playing that in my, I remember playing that at at in when I lived in Montreal at, before the PS4 came out. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember. Um, I was thinking, like, at one point, then Square Enix have Hitman. Yes, because they had acquired... Eidos had acquired IOI Interactive. IO, yeah. Um, and now... Yeah, IO Interactive. And I remember the story of them just leaving Square Enix and leaving and becoming indie, but leaving with the IP of Hitman. They were able to keep, hold on to it. Yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah. I remember that was a big deal. So, like basically it's just the continuation of this uh because they when did they leave uh io interactive perform a management buyout in june 2017 becoming independent and regaining the rights to their hitman and freedom fighters franchises that wasn't that long ago 2017 Mm -hmm. wild yeah they have two studios malmo Mm. sweden and barcelona spain because so, I, I was thinking like about like the projects like the fun projects were like that square the original projects that Square Enix Montreal did and I remember their two Hitman games like they did the Hitman mobile Go. games they did all the, those mobile games which are awesome they did Hitman Go which yeah. was the first one in their Go series and then they did Hitman Sniper and I was like why did Square Enix Montreal work on Hitman stuff and mm-hmm. it, it I just remembered it's because Square Enix used to own Hitman. They had a really good, like, considering, you know, I would say what Square Enix was able to do, Square Enix Montreal team was able to do with a lot of the mobile games that were, like, games, not, like, the mobile gotcha things, like Mm -hmm. the Lara Croft Go and the Hitman Go and all that kind of stuff. Fantastic games. Great puzzle games. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, and yeah, I remember remember going to visit there. Do you remember when we went and saw Hitman, the sniper one? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The preview. We got to see Nick. Got to see Jen. (sighs) But before they were, they did Pop Agenda. Yeah, before they decided to do their own thing where they're killing it. Killing it. But yeah, no, uh, 
I think it's honestly, honestly, the losers in this story. I think it might be Square Enix because they <laughs> made the wrong bet. Yeah, and they, they're just like we're gonna sell off these properties that we don't know what to do with because uh, clearly we're not aligned on creatively and marketing and business so that we can have extra money to invest in blockchain while the market crashes. Meanwhile, these Western studios are going to be in the Embracer group, and the Embracer group's going to be like, all right, well, we're just going to fund your project, make sure these IPs like don't actually like soar. They might I, have more liberties and stuff because they're dealing with a company who's used to having like all these different... All these different IPs, not just like the hyper-focused Japanese style... Yeah, and RPGs and stuff. And probably they'll be able to do like actual good streamlined single player games like Guardian of the Galaxy. I think Avengers was supposed to be what Guardian of Galaxy ended up being. Yeah. It was supposed to be the multiplayer side of it, but I think they really leaned into it too much. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can see Avengers with a couch co op type thing, but, uh, you know, it's just like. Everybody raves about Guardian of the Galaxy being a good story and just fun and just a great game to play. Yeah. Because yeah. it's what it's supposed to be, a single ex player experience. Just like how Jedi Fallen Order saved Star Wars games after the catastrophe that was uh, Battlefront 2. Mm-hmm. Um, the Star Wars Battlefront 2 that was basically a pay, pay to win and things like that. And then there were just like... And EA, the same company that made that... Um, that mistake just gave a chance to respawn respawn we're like we're just gonna make a single player star wars game like straight up mm -hmm. no dlc no extra shit just like for 60 usd dollars you get 40 hours of a single player gameplay and you get to be a jedi and it worked because mm -hmm. they really street they really got down the shtick of we'll let you be a jedi for 40 hours they wanted to tell a story a yeah. particular story and not sell battle passes or sell nfts or sell Just, skins it was and it's not knocking it there are some games that are designed that way that work really well that are super fun like fortnite and stuff is but not every game has to do that no some games it's just like they had a good story great cast and then they made it they had streamlined gameplay to be like you're gonna have a lightsaber and you're gonna have powers and you're gonna be a Jedi and you're gonna follow this awesome story about being a Jedi and like the Star Wars fans were like thank you final fuckingly mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of these things that fell short that were done by Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal would get that new life maybe under a bracer group where they're just like make a Tomb Raider game where you just kind of like go crawl tomb crawling in tombs like do go you know, be an explorer Go be an explorer and i think what made guardians of the galaxy the success it is is just be like you want to be star lord you're gonna be star lord there you go dream just like how spider-man done by insomniac games which is like you you're just gonna you're gonna web sling it's gonna be a great story about peter parker and you know the usual superhero story and we're gonna make sure that you enjoy web slinging around new york city it's just like quintessential spider-man experience mm-hmm and I think that's what Guardian of the Galaxy also offers. And probably now that they're on their own, they're going to be able to offer these experiences. I, I think there's a lot of potential in those studios. Oh, there definitely is. I mean, we've seen it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of like, like a lot of like their failures, quote unquote, were not 
they weren't catastrophes. Avengers no. was not a catastrophe. It was just okay. And I think yeah. like something that's just lukewarm is the worst in terms of like media. And there's just things that they they know they have IP that has value that they haven't touched in a while, like Deus Ex that has serious value, Thief mm-hmm. serious value, Legacy of Cain serious value. Like mm-hmm. people want more from those IPs. They just need to be done properly, right? So yeah. All right, last story of the ga- day. Oh my god, of the game of the day. <laughs> We've been going on for like almost an hour and a half. I am so sorry. No, no, no. It's fine because we had breaks and stuff. So uh, for everybody else, it's not going to feel like an hour and a half. Uh, that's no, just but you that's, and me. That's why that's we're starting to go loopy, though. Loopy. Um, so we finally got word today, uh, be it May 5th, uh, Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo out there to everybody. Um, we got word today that we have a date and a time for Summer Game Fest. It's going to be happening, uh, the big showcase at least, is going to be happening on Thursday, June 9th, streaming live everywhere at 11 a.m. PT, 2 p.m. ET, 6 p.m. GMT. Jeff Neely, of course, is hosting this cross-industry showcase with announcements, reveals, and more. I am excited about this because I feel like this is, between this and the Xbox Bethesda showcase, this is our summer video game I don't want to say fest. A replacement for E3. <laughs> and the E3 um, conferences, which is the only part of E3 that I truly care about. Which is not actually E3. But anyway. Exactly. It just happens around E3, but it's not actually E3. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad we got a date on this. Uh, and it's not that far away because, um, hello, it's the 5th of May already. Where the hell is this year going? It's getting eaten up like 2021 and 2020 did. You mean it's not March 2020 still? It's not. They March said this lockdown was just going to last two weeks. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, just two weeks. Two weeks in a time warp. Um, but yeah, I'm excited because these these are always super exciting. Jeff always brings the heat when it comes to the announcement stuff. He's one of the most, if not the most powerful, influential people in the video game industry. In order that is able to wrangle people together um, to do something cool, um, he has that kind of power and that kind of equity, which is great. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I really hope it's not a four-hour adventure because uh, that is long, <laughs> and we've sat through the four-hour adventure before. Wasn't that last year? Um, I, you sat through it. I, I sat looked at through it after fifteen minutes. I was like, "Yeah, I'll watch the recaps tomorrow." <laughs> it's like the game in thirty. You can watch the game in thirty. You should watch Summer Game Fest in thirty. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm excited because I always look forward to this at the beginning of June. Um, did. So we know Xbox, Bethesda, we know this one. We haven't had any word on Nintendo. We haven't had any word on PlayStation. Haven't heard anything about UB. Um, do you think... EA Play? No, they're not doing that, that this year. So they yeah, might right, have they an canceled. event. They canceled that. But you never, they'll probably do like a hot tub. They'll have stuff at this. Do you know what I mean? Oh, mm-hmm. And then they'll probably announce we're going to have a special event looking at hyper-focusing on one game or something like that. Um what I'm really looking forward to, and I hope I hear that they're going to do, is I want another wholesome direct. Yes, yes. Wholesome yeah. game people. We Please. love your directs. Please. I need, more. I, need more, I need more games like Lake. I need more games like all the cutesy games that I play. Please. Thank you. Also, <laughs> I, uh, 
something today that I filled out that asked me what my most anticipated game was for the Xbox Bethesda Showcase, and I said Slime Rancher 2. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be the only person who says Slime Rancher 2. <laughs> no, I, I know a lot of people are into that game. You're not the only I, one. No, but I mean, like, in the sense that people are going to write Starfield and everything else, which, excited for that, too. But, like, if someone says, what's the one game you're most excited for? Yeah, it's not going to come out of tons of people's mouths. Um, mm. But guys i saw some of the teases for that they were doing like a week of teases on twitter that's why i feel like there's gonna be some stuff coming oh it looks so good i'm so excited all right and with that we're ready to close out the show this week as always i invite you to go check out the show notes on girlsongames.ca for all the links to the stories mentioned in the episode thanks cat for doing that um yeah go read through these articles especially the ones that are dealing with the law stuff because that's heavy and needs to be read so that everybody understands uh what a crapshoot it is um but yeah go and and also to give the credit back to the sites where that do all the hard work and give us all the good news um if you have a few minutes and want to do Catherine and i a big favor uh we'd much appreciate it if you go rate and review this podcast on the podcast platform where you're listening if they offer that service uh why it helps with discovery it puts us up in the rankings so more people can hear us ramble on about video games and fashion and cooking and dogs and whatever else we do um as always i want to give uh, Catherine the shout chance to shout out her social media handle so you can follow her online Catherine, where can people follow you I am C-S-D-S-B-I-N-S-C-S-D-B-I-N on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm mostly like hanging out in the Girls on Games Discord, to be honest. Yeah, the Discord. I'm Leah Jew on most social media platforms, but of course, you want to know everything there is to know about Girls on Games. You can track us down at the Girls on Games on Twitter and Facebook, just Girls on Games on Instagram, discord.me slash Girls on Games. If you want to continue this lovely convo and more and hang out with us. But of course, if you ever need to know anything at all, you can track it down at our home base. That's our website, girlsongames.ca. Thanks, Kat, for hanging out with me today. And uh, for all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Oh, shit. It's this <laughs> so weekend. I should, I should call my mom. Call your mom. Actually, I hung out with her on Tuesday, but yeah. I'll text Give your her. mom some love. Give your wife some love. Give your grandma some love. Give your dog mom some love. Anybody who's who's a mom. Everybody deserves love. Alright? Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye! Bye!